Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Ladies and gentlemen, to the new and improved Cannon Fire podcast. We are back at you today for episode 111. It's draft week. This is our official pre-NFL draft show. We're just two days away from the draft. Can you believe that, Evan? It's crazy, man. For those of you who are new around here, I'm your host as always, Rhett Mustache Matthew. Joined alongside me as always, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, be ready because, like you said, it's two days away, but these two days are going to feel like two weeks, so. Oh, yeah. Rumors and speculation are flying around anywhere and everywhere you've got anonymous gm scouting reports coming out of some of the most ridiculous things that you could ever hear but we're going to dive into all of that today we've got a lot of good stuff lined up today for our draft special of course we've got evan's big mock draft a lot of people are looking forward to that what have you got cooking up for the people regarding the draft well um i i do personally i do a a um round one mock draft normally but on this show i'm just going to be doing a top 15 so it won't include the entire first round but um i have some picks that might surprise some people um but you know obviously everybody knows like one and two is but i think you know once you get to like four with the giants i think it's really where it gets interesting so yeah it looks like you got your jersey huh I, I did. I got it, um, what was that, I believe last Thursday, I think? I was so mad at you because you told me it was coming, right? I knew you were going to get it. I knew for the time the next episode rolled around, you'd be able to wear it. But you sent me a picture of your Brady jersey on your kitchen floor. Yeah. Like, it was spread out on the floor, and you're like, look what came in the mail today. And I'm like, look what you just ruined in the first five minutes of getting it in the mail by putting it on your dirty-ass floor. Yeah. TB12 well, deserves better. I, like I said, that day, the lighting was the best in the kitchen. Yeah, couldn't yeah, put it on the, the table. So, hey, you know, all it was I on the floor for it was on the floor for fifteen seconds. All I hear are excuses. Well, dirt and germs, coronavirus all over your jersey uh, now. Yeah, yeah, trust me. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of our starting quarterback, we've got a little bit of Bucks news before we really deep dive into the NFL draft. Tampa Bay quarterback Tom Brady. The guy just wants to work out, right? Right now, the world is a crazy place. Everybody's being forced to stay home, and Tom Brady, living in Tampa, is under that same safer-at-home guidelines, but he's still got to get his work in. He's looking for a place to work out. He was cited in a Tampa Bay park. Now, not cited, as in served a citation. He was seen in a Tampa Bay park working out. Here is the story. 
Tampa Mayor Jane Castor said in a joint news briefing with St. Petersburg Mayor Rick Kreisman on Monday that a city employee spotted a man working out in a park in downtown Tampa. Now, if I had to guess, this was Curtis Hicks in Waterfront Park. It's, it's probably the most scenic park in downtown Tampa. You're looking right at the water across his University of Tampa. It's very photogenic. So I have to imagine Tom Brady out there with the social media team. They were having a field day, right? Thinking of all the good content they could get. Well, the war, uh, the worker walked up to Tom and said, Our parks are closed down, so a lot of our park staff, they portal around just to make sure people aren't in there with contact sports and things going on, is what Jane Castor continued to explain. She went over to tell him that the park was closed, and uh, the guy working out was Tom Brady. So we have a Tom Brady sighting in Tampa, but unfortunately, he's getting kicked out of public places for working out when he should be at home, isolating. What do you yeah, think? I'm, what if you I'm were just walking? I'm surprised he hasn't had like a thing installed in Jeter's house. Yeah, right. You would think, with all the room that he has in Jeter's house, there has to be some room for him to really get some work in. I mean, there's probably a room in that house big enough to just lay down some turf and call it a day, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Like he's like. Uh, Jeter himself might even have some, like, training stuff there. Yeah, I have to imagine. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm just glad he's out and about taking a look at the city. Downtown Tampa, yeah. beautiful place, and I'm glad he is making the most of it, at least before he got kicked out of there. But that's our Tom Brady yeah. update this week. And, the only and speaking of which, I'm not a Jersey guy, so yeah. take take this in because you likely won't see me wear this jersey again like on air oh uh, come on you gotta throw that bad boy mm, on again every mm, now and again maybe a special occasion so the draft episode is a special occasion so when you see me wear the jersey that's when you know it's a, a special occasion i guess mm. um but yeah just I, I will admit though rep that it's something about maybe i don't know if they changed how they're they're made or whatever you know how I said, like, the reason I'm not real, like, huge Jersey guys is, like, how baggy they feel on me? Yeah. You know, here, it's not as baggy as I remember them being. Like, And if you're watching on our video on YouTube, you're getting a really in-depth analysis breakdown of yeah. Evan's jersey. He's showing you the fabric, the uh, the different um, cuts, the stitching. Yeah, the stitching and everything. I'm, I'm describing it in terms. And <laughs> like, it's weird. There's, like, stuff, like, right here that I don't remember being on the last jersey. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can can see that, but like the stitch in front of the shoulder, yeah, where it beats the chest. Yeah, and that that like makes it a little bit tighter, so it's not like as baggy. Like it's not like you could still like move around, but I don't know. It's nice, and you got obviously the the black black sh- ship on there. Nice. That's I nice. like the blacked out pirate um, ship. But I yeah, think that looks tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice, but uh, yeah, jersey. Like I said, it uh, turned out nice, and a lot of people were asking me, like, you know, why why did you get yours already? Well, I think, you know, since technically I pre-ordered mine before they were released, um, before the design was released, so I think that's sort of why. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing it in for all of us who can't get their jerseys uh, well, until September hey. and October. Hey. I'm just saying, you were the one that was like, you, you were like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ordering a jersey today. And I was like, okay, I'm, I probably won't. You were like, oh, come on. I was like, okay, I will. And I did. And I asked you, did you order one? You said no. Yeah, I know. Look at where we are now. So let's move on. We got a few more rumors to uncover before we jump into the draft. This one, I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but I wanted to at least mention it because there's a lot of people out there who still seem to think that this is going to happen. And we just want to confirm it. The Buccaneers are not expected to trade for Leonard Fournette. That's not going anywhere. I don't think Fournette would be a very good fit for Tampa Bay, and uh, I'm glad to see that there's no developments on that. Yeah, I just, I never, 
even when he was coming out of LSU, I was never a huge fan of Leonard Fournette. Uh, had him graded as my third running back that year behind Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Um, but, I mean, you know, you'd be looking at probably giving – it wouldn't be a whole lot, like, groundbreaking stuff, but, like, probably a fourth-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a guy that's essentially a one-year rental, basically. I just I don't see I don't see the point. I don't think he would at this point. I know he's twenty five years old, but I just don't. I think they're better off drafting a younger back, um, you know, with, with more with more tread on his uh, less tread on his tires, I should say. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So let's move <clears throat> on from that saga, uh, saga. That's pretty much everything that needs to be said regarding Leonard Fournette. Again, I just I don't think this is going to go anywhere. So let's get into the meat and potatoes, what we're all here for. This is the draft special. Let's talk about it, damn it. So we're going to follow up some rumors with some more rumor talk. This, of course, Which is all it is this time of year. Yeah, exactly. Smoke screens are everywhere. Teams are putting out reports to kind of fish away talent, you know, make certain things look a certain way. It's just, it's everything you got to be prepared for this time of year. Even more on Twitter now because everything's so isolated. It's not like a coach can say something in a press conference that, you know, he can't say on Twitter now. But let's jump into it. So there are rumors swirling around that Tampa Bay, on their big board, have Mekhi Becton as OT1 and Jonathan Taylor as RB1. What does that mean for the first round? What does that mean for the Bucks? Yeah, so uh, basically for the first round, I, I think – for the first round, it basically means, you know, that we're looking at Beckman, right? I don't really think in the first round that you'd be looking at Jonathan Taylor unless they would trade down, maybe. Then then maybe Jonathan Taylor is an option in the first round. But I, I think, in, you know, in the first round at 14, you're looking at Mekhi Beckton. And the rumor, like I said, Scott Reynolds put out his, you know, his like draft, little draft insider thing. And in there he said that, you know, Tampa Bay covets you know, uh, off of the tackle from Louisville, Mackay Beckton, the most out of all four. They, he said that they have high grades on pretty much you know, the the big four, um, and even Josh Jones uh, out of Houston. But uh, they they like Beckton the most, and a lot of NFL teams like Beckton the most. Not necessarily because of this is going to sound really dumb because people would be like, okay, then why should he be a first round pick? A lot of NFL teams like Beckton not because of what he's done, but what they think he can do. Right. Uh, you know, the, the potential there, he might have the highest ceiling out of any of the offensive tackles. You know, if we're talking about ceilings and potentials, he's probably a top five player in the class. Um, he's just so big and he can move so well. Um, you so know, Jonathan. Do you- is that why, when it comes to Mekhi Becton, is that why a lot of people that I have seen are referring to him as, like, a project pick, quote-unquote? Like, something that you're going to have to take on that you can ultimately try and get the most out of later on down the road? Yeah, I... So, a project pick to me is something where somebody, you know, isn't going to start. And and somebody who's not going to start, if you did start him, wouldn't be that great. Right. I think Mackay Becton can have success as a starter immediately. I just think that you know he, he's not going to be like as like he's not as pro ready as some of these other tackles. Um, but he might be you know four years down the line he might be you know, the uh, the best tackle out of this whole class. Right. So. So, you know, there's some talk of them possibly trading up for a tackle. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, they they really like Becton and they want him. 
and move up for him. Um, or, you know, they just sit at 14 and hope he's there, or if not, take whatever. But um, I, he, I, right now, I have him as my uh, OT4, but it's just I like all all four of them, um, including Josh Jones. So I, I like Jedrick Wills. I like Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, Mackay Becton. Uh, I, I like all those guys, and it's no real, like, downside on Becton, but... You know, there is more risk involved with Beckton than those other three guys, and maybe even Josh Jones. Uh, I think Josh Jones is a fairly safe pick. The only thing with him is that the level of competition he played against wasn't the greatest. I feel uh, like Josh Jones at 14, though, would be a reach. Um, I, you know, a lot of people have him mocked 18 to the Dolphins. Um, and since this is a top 15 mock for me, I'm going to tell you right now, I have him at 18 to the Dolphins. Um, so, I mean, I, I well, what's the difference? It, you know, if four years from now, if he's, you know, a, a starter, a solid starter, what's it going to, what difference is it going to make if he was drafted 14th or 18th? Right. You know, that, that, at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's the big thing. And a lot of people who are in favor of trading up in a draft for a tackle, maybe to like nine or so. We're going to basically say, well, if Mekhi Becton's the best left tackle or right tackle in the NFL in four years, what does it matter if he was drafted 9 or 14? You know, if, if you told the Buccaneers, hey, like I'm a fortune teller, Mekhi Becton is going to be the best left tackle out of this whole draft class, don't move up for him. And, yeah. You know, now, they, won't, they won't care, but um, there's certainly more risk involved with Becton than the other three. And let's say this for argument's sake. It seems like the consensus is that the Bucks are going to take an offensive tackle round one. Like, it just it, – it seems like it's what makes yeah. the most sense. Now, we know with draft day that what makes the most sense isn't always what actually happens. But let's go into it with the mindset that the Buccaneers are picking an OT at pick 14. If you're looking at Mekhi Becton and Josh Jones, both of those guys who were – you know, safe picks, but not number one on a lot of people's boards. Do you think looking at those guys having their sights set on Becton and Jones can potentially leave them not wanting to trade into the top 10? Do you think they have a better chance of, I'm assuming Jones will be there at 14, but do you think with Becton being where he is, there's a better chance of him falling to 14 or are the Bucks still going to be interested in moving up into the top 10? Well, I, I think, you know, like you said, Josh Jones is definitely, like, he'll be there. Um, but Beckton's a different story because, you know, you have, I'm looking at it right now, you got the Browns there at 10, you got the Jets there at 11, you know, maybe even the 49ers at 13, you know, could possibly want a guy like him. Yeah. Uh, Giants at four, Chargers at six if they don't go quarterback. Uh, the Cardinals at eight, who knows, right? Who knows what grades these teams have on Beckton? Even the Dolphins at 18, if they wanted to move up ahead of the Bucks, The 49ers are rumored to want more picks. I so, think if the Dolphins know, move ahead of the Bucks, they're getting a quarterback. I think that they move in ahead of the Bucks because they want an offensive tackle. Mm. And they think that the Bucks are definitely going to take one. So, like, let's say they have a high grade on Mackay Becton, and Mackay Becton's available at 13, and they know that the Buccaneers are going to pick Mackay Becton, you know, I think that's where they could possibly make a move. But, yeah. um, you know, there was a there was a, a failed drug test uh, that came out over the weekend for Mackay Becton. Did we Apparently, ever get confirmation on what that was? I heard it was uh, a diluted no. sample. I, I haven't heard any confirmation on what exactly it was. Okay. Um, however, I don't think teams are very worried about it because Ian Rapport 
basically tweeted out today that, you know, Makai Becton's still, you know, OT1 on some team's board. So um, don't really think that matters. But, um, you know, like I said, there's more risk with Becton than Jones, I think. But there's also way more upside with Becton. So right. it's really high risk, high reward thing there. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, moving on to Jonathan Taylor really fast. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just don't see them picking a running back in the first round unless, let's say, you know, a team like Philly looking for a wide receiver right in front of Denver, the Bucks are. Um, let's say, you know, Philly calls and they want to move up. Maybe you move back to 21, and if Josh Jones isn't there, maybe you pick a running back then. But sitting at 14, I just don't see Taylor as an option. Uh, I think in in the second round, I think if he's there, they might might, might take him. Now, let's get into Taylor and just the running back rankings overall. Now, on our last episode, which was also a draft-themed episode, if you have not listened to it, make sure you do it. We've got Trevor Sykema of the Draft Network. It really was a good conversation that we had between the Mm -hmm. three of us. But we kind of got into things saying, seriously doubt the Bucs are going to take a running back round one. It would almost be a mistake if they did. Let's look at round two, where they have pick number 45, the running back rankings, because I know that you do not have Jonathan Taylor ranked above guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and DeAndre Swift, am I right? But I think Correct. out of the big five running backs, any one of those guys could be a stud. So yeah, I, I like all five of them. Okay. Now, when it comes to, I guess, where they are in the draft, there was a report that came out today. It seems like the sweet spot for running backs is going to be right at the end of the first round. I saw something that said picks 26 through 33-ish mm-hmm. are going to be chock full of running backs. Obviously, this is stuff you hear days before the draft. Could not be true, but I'm just picking up what I've seen on Twitter. What do you make of all of that? And uh, at the end of the day, would you be happy with Taylor, or would you prefer one of the other guys? Well, I would prefer one of the other guys, but that's just my rankings, you know? Um but well, I mean, we'll see who's available. I think the the what Rapport said basically of twenty six to thirty two being that sweet spot. Uh, I think it begins with Miami at twenty six. You know, they they desperately could use some help at running back. I know they signed Jordan Howard, but they could use another guy there. Maybe that's a spot for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, maybe that's a spot for DeAndre Swift. Then you got the Chiefs at thirty two. Uh, they could use a running back as well. They always like weapons. Maybe they want DeAndre Swift or Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think Swift probably fits the Chiefs more than than Taylor would. Um, but I mean, who knows, right? Out of the all the running backs, I would say that Taylor and Swift are probably the only two I think that could go in the first round. I think the rest of them are going to go in second round. Uh, wouldn't surprise me though if we only saw one or maybe no running backs in the first round. Um, so I mean. If there's no running back selected in the first round, that'd be music to the Bucks years because that would almost guarantee that they're going to end up with somebody they like. So, yeah, uh, I've I've heard that they're not huge fans of J.K. Dobbins just because he can't pass block. Um, you know, I know a, a few other places that report that as well. Uh, you know, I don't know where they have Cam Akers, but I think they like Cam Akers. I, I think they like DeAndre Swift. I know that they really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I know that they really like Jonathan Taylor. So um, we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I think the max running backs in round one is two. But I expect probably one to go. Now, let's say worst-case scenario. 
right? Because you always have to plan for just a nightmare scenario for Tampa yep. Bay. Let's say they're sitting at 45 and all of the big five running backs are taken. What's the move? I'll tell you what, I'd be shocked. Um, but, uh, it'd be, I mean, that that'd be, that would mean you probably got two running backs in the first. And then, I mean, you're talking guys, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers. Like, Cam Akers going before the first half of the second round. Like, yeah. that's that'd be pretty shocking. But um, if they were gone... I mean, then I think you got to look to possibly a receiver. Um, and if they're all five are gone, I think that would mean that somebody that the Bucks didn't expect to be there is there. So maybe there's a defensive lineman, maybe a guy, Marlon Davidson from Auburn. Um, maybe there's a guy like that, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, an edge rusher, that they didn't really expect to be there, and, and that's a possibility um, if there are no running backs available uh, at 45. Yeah. So we talked about the nightmare situation, and we've got a little bit more on that for the first round. We'll get into that right after this. But let's talk a little bit more about rounds two and three. If I had to guess how it's going to play out, round one is offensive tackle. Round two is probably going to be a running back. Round three, at least for me, is kind of up in the air. I feel like maybe it's a wide receiver, maybe a defensive tackle, I don't know, but let's kind of get into what you think is going to play out for the Bucks in round two and three. I know round two, we talked about a running back, but what are some other options? And then round three altogether, what do you think goes into it? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with what they do in round one, right? So uh, if you don't choose an offensive tackle in round one, I think you almost have to in round two. Um, yeah. Or, or round three. I mean, you, you don't have a choice. Uh, you, you can't go into day three without offensive tackle picked at least yeah one. that's that's almost something that has to happen like i think that's a guarantee that we can both make right here is that in picks one two or three the bucks are going to be drafting an offensive tackle i feel confident enough to say that because they just yeah. have to yeah I, I i would agree with that and um you know then the second round like i said you know you got you got all those running backs i would expect one to go in the first round so Maybe one goes before the Bucks pick at 45 in the second round. So let's say that's Swift. So you'd be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. So, I mean, at that rate, they'd probably choose Edwards-Hilaire. Um, but then, you know, other options. Like I said, Marlon Davidson, uh, Terrell Lewis. You know, do you want to go receiver in the second round? Maybe a guy like Brandon Ayuk from uh, Arizona State, I believe, could possibly be there. Um, he's a possibility if you wanted to go in the second round. I think receiver in the second's a little too early. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, uh, you know, back to the third round, I think a receiver's a possibility. Like you said, the third round, I think, is really where it all depends on who's on the board. Like, I think that one could be receiver, that could be safety, that could be D-line. Uh, that could be another O lineman. I know they like uh, Damian Lewis, interior offensive lineman from LSU. Um, so maybe that's a spot for him at seventy six there. So yeah. uh, you know who really knows there. I, I think though once you get into the third round and the fourth round, that's when you're going to start really seeing the the buzz about a receiver. Now uh, I've seen a lot of arguments about this topic and this person in particular the past few days, and I'm just going to throw the name in the middle of it and see where you think this guy can end up on the Bucks' plans. Not in the second round, I don't think he would be an option, but in the third round, if the pieces fall, maybe, just maybe, Ashton Davis. 
I'm a, I'm a big uh, Ashton Davis fan. Uh, I think he is one of the better cover safeties in the draft. I think, Sa- yeah, safety at a cow. By the way, for people who don't yeah. know Ashton Davis, yeah, he can just. I mean, I think he can just fly all over the field, man. He's an athletic freak, and uh, I think he'd be a pretty good fit in this defense. He's a good returner uh, as well, right? Yeah, I think he can he can offer some value there. Uh, I'm not sure how they feel about him, but you know, if I was the GM, I, I would definitely consider Ashton Davis starting a third. Uh, second's a little bit too rich, but um, you know, I, I would consider him in, in the third round. I'm not sure if they'll pull the trigger on that, but um, he would definitely be a guy I would have my eye on. So let me ask you this, because this has been a very hot topic of conversation: the Buccaneers drafting a safety overall. I've seen yeah. so many people say that they need to get a safety, they need help at safety, and it needs to come through the draft. And I've seen so many other people say, what the hell are you talking about? We have six people who can play safety. We don't need another one. Where do you fall in this argument? Um, I, I think they could probably use a safety, but I don't think they should draft a safety. So I guess I'm sort of in the middle, kind of. Sign a free agent. Um, yeah, I would I would look to, to sign a veteran free agent. Even if it's not a high-profile guy, you don't have to go out and sign Tony Jefferson. I think he'd be a great fit, but you don't have to go out and sign that type of guy. You can go out and sign a, a, a low-risk veteran. I think a guy like Antoine Bethea, I think he might still be out there. You know, sign a guy like him. Just somebody to bring in a veteran in the group to get some experience in the, in the secondary. Um, and, and, what you just, and what you just brought up there is I think the common theme. I feel like we've been saying this since the draft last year. You know, yeah. we have so many young guys in the secondary. The Bucks use Jason Light use so many draft picks on building that secondary to where it is now. They look solid second half of last year. You kind of have to see if they can keep it consistent and come out good the first half of this year. But throwing another young guy back there, I just do not think is going to help anybody more than it would than getting somebody with an ounce of experience back there to really bring up the overall age of the group because it still is a ridiculously young group in the Buccaneers backfield. But I'm, I'm with you on that. I wouldn't mind drafting a safety if it's a guy like Ashton Davis and the pieces fall into place and, you know, he can bring something to the table to where if he doesn't start at safety, plug him in at returner where he has that experience and he can do magical things there. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind seeing it, but I don't think they need to draft a safety. I would be happy as hell if they made it out of this draft without a single draft pick going to the secondary. Yeah, I mean, and I think that wouldn't surprise me. Maybe you'll see in the fifth or sixth round they draft like a corner or something, whatever. Um but, you know, I, I think like they don't need a safety. I think that the biggest thing is so Jason Light has picked a safety pretty high almost every year. Yeah. Um, so he's picked Justin Evans in the second round, Jordan Whitehead in the fourth round, Mike Edwards in the third round. It's time to give these guys – I know Justin Evans, the injury really clouds this whole thing. If he wasn't injured, I don't think we'd be having many discussions about really a safety. But yeah. um, eventually, you got to let the guys play. Uh, eventually. So Jordan Whitehead is, is finally – I thought he had a pretty solid year last year. Uh, Mike Edwards didn't play, I think, as much as people wanted him to. But, you know, it's the second year. So you know, we'll, we'll see with him. But um, – 
Yeah, I, I think either corner or safety, especially corner, I don't see them addressing really much at all. But like safety in like the, the fifth round or so it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Ashton Davis wouldn't shock me, uh, but it would mean that they're not really confident in one of Edwards or Whitehead, and they don't think Evans is going to be healthy. Because right. if you're investing another top 100 pick in a safety, you know that means you don't think the secondary is any good. So Now, I know we kind of covered this with Trevor. I'm going to bring it up again just because we are a little bit closer to the draft. No chance they go quarterback in the third round. Uh, I wouldn't say no chance, but I think it's very unlikely. Uh, I think the only chance would probably be uh, Jacob Eason. Um, partially because I think... Jalen Hurts is going to be gone by the time they pick in the third round. You think he's going to fall all the way to the third? Yeah, he, he should. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't think he's that great. Uh, you know, his his uh, leadership ability has been sort of in question. Uh, just you know how he acts in games, like his maturity is really in question. Sort of like a Bo Callahan almost from movie draft day. <laughs> uh, you know, big arm guy. He's got all the tools, but you know, there's just something off. So I think that could really uh, hurt him, his stock. And uh, I think he'll probably be there. I wouldn't pick him, and I don't think they will pick him. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm just doesn't have the arm. I know we speak about, like, you know, oh, scheme fit, scheme fit. It's not a big deal. Like, he signed Tom Brady or whatever. So, you know, it can't be a big deal. And while Jake Fromm is even less of an arm than Tom Brady, yeah. uh, Bruce Arians is going to want somebody with an arm. So if they're going to draft a quarterback, it's going to be on day three. And another point that somebody had brought up that I think is excellent, I think it really drives the point home on um, just the thought process of this entire team going on right now. It's, it's win-now mode. It's been yep. win-now mode since Arians got here. They've been trying to get everything together, putting the pieces together. This year, it truly feels like we're as close as we have been to win-now mode, right? We have all the pieces we yeah. need to, maybe some fine-tuning throughout the rest of free agency in the draft, but the Bucks want to win now. And somebody made this excellent point. Tom Brady is not here for two years to groom his successor. He is oh. here to win games. So I think that just kind of supports that the Bucks are not going to be looking to go quarterback in the early rounds at all. Um, I think if they do, maybe fifth, sixth round, you know, use one of their last picks on it overall. But I just don't think in round three they would get any of those guys. Even a Jacob Eason, if he's available, I think they'll pass and get something else. But let's go yeah. over nightmare situation for round one, and then we're going to jump into your mock draft. So I'm going to tell you mine. And then I'm going to toss it to you. Nightmare situation for the Buccaneers. Day one of the draft, pick number 14. They draft a running back. That's it. If they decide to draft Jonathan Taylor at 14, I'm going to throw my mm. computer out the window and we're not going to do this show ever again. That's how that'll go. Okay. Well, okay, so what are what are the circumstances, though, here? Because are you talking like they draft a running back over somebody you like? Or is let's it like say, you know, everybody's like, gone? Let's say OTs are off the board, right? All the OTs okay. are off the board. Josh Jones is still there because I feel like yeah. he's going to be there. But your big four are gone. Your Javon Kinlaw is gone. You've got the choice of either Derek Brown gone. Derek Brown is gone. You've okay. got the choice of either Kalevon Chase on or running back. Mm. I think if they choose a running back over anybody that they could have gotten in the trenches, because I've made it clear. If the Bucks decide to stay at 14, which I don't think they'll do, 
I, I, you don't, I, you, you don't think they'll stay at fourteen? No, I'm with Trevor. It wouldn't surprise me if they traded up. Okay, so so you think you, your prediction is that they're going to move up? Yep, I think they'll trade with okay. Jacksonville, go to nine. Okay, who do you think? Let's do a little thing for you. Who do you think they're going to target? Because I mean, at Jacksonville at nine, you're probably looking at one or two of the tackles off the board. There will definitely probably be two tackles there for you. If they go to nine, I think they're looking at Jedrick Wills. Okay. I like Jedrick Wills. He's he's. I wouldn't say my favorite out of the big four, but he's up there for me. Um, it goes Werfs, Wills, Thomas, Becton. That's my order for the big four. Okay. So I think if they go to nine, they would be looking at a guy like Wills, maybe Thomas is, if he's there, depending on whoever's off the board in front of them because we feel like some OTs are going to go in the top ten. But yeah. nightmare situation. They stay at 14. They lose every good pick they could have had, and then they draft a running back over who so they should have rather draft? Would you rather draft like – so well, all right, let me ask you this then before I give mine. What would you be more mad at, drafting Jonathan Taylor at 14 or drafting Henry Ruggs at 14? To me, it would be Taylor because wide receiver is more valuable than a running back. Yeah, I guess. I yeah, Henry, Henry it, it Ruggs, would be. It Henry would still. I, I had to like really. I, had, I just had to really think there. about that. You stumped me on that one. That was a good question, but I'm gonna go with probably Taylor. Rugs in that that offense. Oh man! And, and Trevor just put out that mock draft where the Bucks ended up picking Rugs at 14. Yeah. Right? He broke the uh, broke the draft internet with that. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would make the Bucks offense. I don't know if we were talking about that on the air, not with Trevor, but he was basically saying to us, like, you know, who would, who if would they you stop? if you draft him, there's no defensive personnel that's designed to cover all those guys. Yeah, like there's yeah. nobody big enough and strong enough to cover Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and there's nobody fast enough to cover Henry Ruggs all at the same time. And then you add in Cameron Brayton, and O.J. Howard with Ronald Jones coming out of the backfield and Tom Brady throwing the freaking football. Um, 16-0, baby. It would be be insane. Would it be the (laughs) smartest pick? Probably not. But you want to talk about the the funnest pick? Probably. Absolutely. Um, So let me – That would be the most fun pick. Let me just close it with this because I've been wanting to say it and I keep forgetting. We talked about a nightmare situation. All the offensive tackles are gone. I have said before on this show, and I'll say it again, I would be totally okay if all the offensive tackles are gone and the Buccaneers draft any of the big defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. I just, first round, it's got to be trenches one way or another. That's the way that I see it. Anything else is just a bad pick. Okay. All right. Um, Your nightmare situation for round one. Well, obviously the same situation. Like you said, all four offensive tackles are gone. Javon Kinlaw is gone. Derek Brown is gone. Isaiah Simmons is gone. It's another name I'm throwing out there. Um, so, like, those guys are all gone. Um, so you got, like, a Josh Jones. Henry Ruggs is still there. Jonathan Taylor's there. Caleb Von Chason's there. And they draft Austin Jackson at 14. Uh, offensive, offensive tackle from USC. I just do not think Austin Jackson is ready for the NFL. Uh, I, I don't, you know, especially on a win now team, you're going to have to sit this guy for at least a year, and if if you start him, you're not going to like the results. Mm. Uh, it, he, I just don't like him. Uh, you know, nothing personal against him. I just don't. What I don't is, think he's personally ready for for the NFL, especially not being a top fifteen pick. So this guy has a first round grade. 
basically, yeah. I, well, not really from me, um, but of the consensus that I've seen is that Austin Jackson is going to go in the first round at some point. It's probably late first, but I just hope that you know they don't fall in love with him at, at fourteen there because man, that would be that would be brutal. <laughs> that would be, uh, especially picking him over a guy like Josh Jones. Um, you know, I'd almost rather Jonathan Taylor at 14 than Austin Jackson. Um, I just think that, you know, in the second round, there's a, probably a tackle there that you can get at 45 that's better than Austin Jackson right now. Really hope you don't show up on freezing cold takes this time in two years. <laughs> we we will see. Quentin Nelson's his way into the league. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that would be my luck too. So, <laughs> so let's get into the mock draft. This is the moment that people mm-hmm. have been waiting for. It is the title of the episode, and it is something that we do around this time every single year on the CFP pre-draft show. It is Evans' top fifteen mock draft. Now, normally you do a top ten mock draft yeah. because the Buccaneers usually have a top ten pick, but this year they do not. So we're just oh. going to go top fifteen. Yep. Yeah. But you got. Guys get a little bit extra picks because the Bucks, you know, won a few more games. So. Look at that. A little extra premium content out of the Philly <laughs> sports fan. Let's get yeah. into it, my man. The floor is yours. All right. Well, one thing I will say, isn't it funny how, like, it just works year to year? So the Bucks had the fifth overall pick, and then they win two more games than they did last year, and now they're at 14. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's such a difference year to year whether that, teams are good or bad, you know. That's the thing. How many 7 and 9 teams are there between us and the top 10? Well, I think I think the the Colts the, the Colts were the Colts are at 13. It says the 49ers obviously, but that was from the, the DeForest Buckner trade. So that's yes. actually the Colts. So the Colts I think went 7 and 9. I think the Raiders went 7 and 9. Cleveland went 7 and 9. Did they? Yeah. You sure? I am almost positive the Browns went seven and nine this year. I can bust out the Google machine and tell you. That I, I think then Jacksonville is probably the one that went six and ten. So the Bucks, if they won, the Browns all the went six and ten. My bad. I okay. am wrong. I will. So, okay. Yeah. I was, like I said, I was pretty sure. Let me see. Um, yeah, the Jets. I don't think went Jets. Let me just sorry guys for you guys waiting for the mock draft. You gotta wait a few more seconds. But <laughs> yeah, I we should have had our stuff out. together. What kind of professional show is this? Uh, what the hell? The Jets went seven and nine. So the, if the Bucks went won all the tiebreakers, the highest they would have been was eleven. Yeah. So, but I believe they won the tiebreaker over the Broncos and the Falcons, who both went seven and nine. So they could have been sixteen. Yeah, um, but it ended up being fourteen. So, all right, let's get into this. Number one, Cincinnati Bengals. I, it's obvious, right? Uh, Chase Young. Uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> Joe Joe Burrow's the pick there, uh, quarterback from LSU. I wish you know, since they're having like technical difficulties with this whole virtual draft thing, I wish they kind of announced the first two picks already. Just so we can just start the draft at three, yeah, and right. save a lot more time. <laughs> um, so two is Chase Young, obviously Ed Rusher from Ohio State, the so Redskins. Um, some chatter about them possibly trading down. I, I just don't think they're going to pass up uh, Young. And number three, number three is the the hot pick, the pick that could 
be traded. They could be kept. There's, you know, it could be three or four teams maybe gunning for that pick because it's right in front of Miami. It's right in front of L.A. Open for business, too. Maybe a team like the Panthers, like a Dark Horse team, wants to move up. Maybe like the Jaguars want to move up. Let me ask Uh, you this really quickly. What about the Falcons? We have seen that the Falcons are allegedly going to be the most aggressive team in the draft. Do you think they could maybe risk it all and move up to that number three spot? Man, uh... I don't know because I think I don't know if Detroit would want to move down that much. Fair. I just don't think Detroit would want to move all the way down to sixteen. Um, yeah, I I don't I just don't see it. So I I have personally I don't do trades in my mock drafts really. I did trades one year. I just I didn't really like it. I was yeah. like, uh, th- this is weird. It's tough um, to predict. I mean, who can predict yeah. a trade? You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and all the every time you do, it's might it might be the right spot, but it's a totally different team, and yeah, yeah, whatever. So, I have the Lions obviously staying at three and picking Jeffrey Okuda, uh, cornerback from Ohio State. I think it's a pretty much obvious pick there. Uh, four, four with the Giants. This is where the draft gets interesting, right? Because, I mean, they could go offensive line, they could go Isaiah Simmons, they could go Derek Brown, they could trade out. You know, maybe L.A. wants to, you know, swap six and four. Who knows? Um, I have them, you know, breaking the hearts of many Bucks fans and taking Jedrick Wills uh, off of the tackle from Alabama. I think that they realize that Wills is probably the most pro-ready tackle. He's my number one rated tackle. He's probably the most pro-ready uh, tackle in the draft. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that Dave Gettleman sitting there, I I would take Isaiah Simmons personally, but I think him sitting there, I think he's gonna really fall in love with Wills, um, which actually is is what I I actually changed. If you recall, I told you what my mock draft was um, after the show we recorded last week. Yeah, and it has changed since. So I will tell you guys right now, I had Jedrick Wills going to the Bucks last week, but something changed. So. Um, here we go. Five with Miami. Possibly like the most exciting pick, I think. Right? It really because could be anything. <laughs> this could be... When you're talking about quarterbacks, man, you're talking about two quarterbacks plus the possibility of an offensive tackle. Man, like, you know, if the Dolphins really love Jordan Love there and, and they think that they can trade up from 18 to, like, 13, like you said, right in front of the Bucks to get Jordan Love and pick a tackle at five, like, man, that'd be nuts. Um, I personally am buying into the smokescreen that they like Justin Herbert and they're scared to death of Tua, so I have them selecting Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon. Now at six, L.A., I was tempted to give them a tackle, but I think they're going to be, you know, in that new stadium, they're starved for a guy to come in and save their franchise. I think it's a perfect situation for a guy like him to walk into. So I have Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback from Alabama, going to the Chargers at six. Now, regardless of who it is, and this has nothing to do with your mock draft, this is just real-life stipulation, you think the Chargers do end up pulling the trigger and going quarterback, regardless of who's available? Yeah, I, I think so. I do. I, I don't think. I think 
they would like an offensive lineman, but I think they realize that the offensive line class is deep, and I also don't think that they want to go into the season with just Tyrod Taylor. Right. I think Tyrod Taylor is going to start. I like Tyrod Taylor. He was your guy. We talked about yeah. way before all the Jameis stuff. You talked yeah. about the possibility of Tyrod Taylor in Tampa. Yeah, really like him. Um, but I, I don't think they want just Tyrod Taylor without a future plan there. They think they, they're not going to be in the top ten next year probably. Yeah. So they're not really going to be in line to get a big-time quarterback. Um, surprise pick here could be Jordan Love if they get scared of Tua. Um, they get really scared of his medicals. The surprise pick could be Jordan Love over Tua. Um, so we're moving on to seven. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson. This is where his fall stops. Um, I, you know, like I said, I considered it at four for the Giants. I had him there at four for a long time, but decided to switch it up. Uh, I think the Chargers might consider him, which that defense with Isaiah Simmons would be, oh, it'd be crazy, man. one of the best in the league. Um, I mean, you're talking Derwin James, Chris Harris, Desmond King, who they might trade, but um, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And then you add, you know, you, you add Isaiah Simmons to that group. Um, man, that's crazy. Eight Arizona Cardinals. This is, you know, danger here for the Bucks, right? Because you're looking and you're like, ooh, the Cardinals could use an offensive tackle. These, I think you could say the same for the next five teams on the board is this team could use an offensive tackle. Uh, I mean, I don't really see, I don't really view, ja- I think Jacksonville could maybe. Maybe not Jacksonville but, at least, but I think the rest of them. You got Cleveland, you got New York in there. Yeah, I know yeah, the Raiders aren't taking one. Um, but so here's the danger zone, right? Because this is where you could see that run. Just like you said, you got Arizona. One's already gone in my mock draft, right? There's four of the big ones. One's yeah. already gone. You have Arizona there. You have Cleveland there. And you have New York there. All need tackles. So the four could be gone. Um, I personally, though, luckily for a lot of Bucks fans, I believe that the Cardinals are going to select Derek Brown. Uh, interior defensive lineman from Auburn. A few reasons for this. One, I do sort of believe Matt Miller's report where he said that, you know, if Derek Brown's there at, at eight, that you could basically pencil him into Arizona. Um, also, if you look at their defense, oh, man, it's bad. Yeah. Their defensive depth chart right now, they need help. They so. got Chandler Jones doing it by himself. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Derek Brown there would be a good fit. And also, Peter Schrager who has been mocking uh, Derek Brown to the Cardinals for a long time now, is pretty close friends with Cliff Kingsbury, and he was one of the first ones last year to really say that they were taking Kyler Murray. So he continued to mock Derek Brown. His latest mock is Derek Brown to the Cardinals, so I'm going to roll with Derek Brown to the Cardinals. Nice. Number nine, got another defensive lineman going off the board, Stevon Kinlaw. Uh, I think the Jaguars are really going to fall in love with him, and they could go receiver here. This could be the first receiver, but I just think at the end of the day that they're gonna they're gonna look and uh, really want to improve the trenches. And they lost Calais Campbell; they traded him away. They're gonna lose Yant Nagakwe. Um, so I think you know Josh Allen and Javon Kinlaw on the defensive line should be a pretty good duo. Now, really quickly for Jacksonville, I think the possibility of a wide receiver might have gone up a little bit in the past 24 hours because they're uh, looking to trade their one wide receiver, right? Were they, they, are they rumored to trade one? Yeah, they're rumored to trade uh, Marquise Lee. Well, no, they, they released Marquise Lee. Oh, they released him. Uh, there we go. My yeah. bad. That's why but, I'm not I mean, the best at following other teams. There you go. 
<laughs> he didn't. He didn't play at all in 2018. and had three catches in 2019. So, mm. what are they really missing out on? That's fair. Um. So ten Browns. Here's another danger zone, right? Where the tackle could go off the board, and here there is a tackle off the board. I think it's Tristan Wirfs. Uh, the Browns reported number one target is Tristan Wirfs. So this is a dream come true for them. There's some talk that maybe they could trade out of here if Tristan Wirfs isn't available. In this scenario, Wirfs is there, and he's the guy. So now you're left with two offensive tackles for those keeping track. Two offensive tackles, and Brown and Kinlaw are both gone. So 11 to the Jets, run on offensive tackles is going to continue. Uh, Mackay Becton, offensive tackle from Louisville. I think the Jets uh, really like him. Joe Douglas is there. Joe Douglas came from Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been like notoriously known to draft offensive tackles pretty high. So I believe that's the pick there. 12 of the Raiders, first receivers off the board. Jerry Judy. Um, I think that CeeDee Lamb is probably the better receiver. But I think I'm looking at Mike Mayock, and I just think Judy is the type of guy that Mike Mayock would fall in love with. So I think in this case, Judy's probably their guy, even though the Raider way would be to draft Henry Ruggs. But I just think Judy is, is going to be the guy. Apparently, John Gruden wants uh, Ruggs. Mayock wants Judy. I think uh, Mayock will win that battle. Push comes to shove. <laughs> Um, 13, 49ers, another receiver comes off the board. It's uh, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma. And the 49ers are celebrating right now because I think this is their number one guy. Um, they get another weapon for that Kyle Shanahan offense, a weapon that they need to bear with Debo Samuel. You know, give G- uh, Jimmy G another, another option there, and I, I think they're extremely happy. And just a side note with San Francisco, currently – trying to right some wrongs in the cap space situation. Quan Alexander, that big money linebacker, is on the trade block. Yeah, yeah, uh, reportedly. Um, The big thing with them is they they don't have any picks. Like, they have 13 and 31, and they don't pick again until the fourth round. Jeez. Like, they don't have a second or third round pick, so that's just, that's a long time to wait. I know I understand two firsts is nice, but, you know, like, I think Marquise Goodwin is probably going to be traded wide receiver. Um you know, for like a fourth or fifth round pick, they're just trying to recoup some picks there. So they could possibly be a tra- team to trade down. Like I said, I don't do trades in my mocks, but at 13, they could be a team that really wants to trade down. Yeah. So 14, the moment we've all been waiting for, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Drum roll, please. At, they're sitting at 14, and the pick is Andrew Thomas, offensive Damn. tackle from Georgia. Uh, I think this is a pretty slam dunk pick here if it turns out this way. I think the Bucks are extremely happy with Thomas. He can play both the left and right side. He's an experienced starter, uh, one of the more pro-ready guys. Um, I think he can step in right away and be productive. The, the knock on him is that you know, sort of what you see is what you get. Um I think he can grow to be a, a good offensive lineman. I don't know if he can grow to be a great offensive lineman. That's that's the knock with Andrew Thomas. But, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that can come in and just steady the, steady the ship, I think he's the guy. So Jason Light is happy to not be, have to move up at all and uh, stay at 14 and be able to select Andrew Thomas uh, out of Georgia. So they get their, they get their tackle. Now, we went into a lot of detail a little bit earlier about Matt Guy Becton. Um, mm-hmm. 
what do you think gets Mechton off the board before Thomas? Is it just that pure upside, or is it really just the way that things fall? Yeah, I think it's 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 a combination of the two. I think it's the upside. I think literally people think like out of all four of the tackles, Jedrick Will is probably if you want a guy that can plug and play, Jedrick Wills is your guy. Which I think that'd probably be perfect for the Bucks because he can also he's a natural right tackle. Yeah. But Jedrick Wills wasn't available. So I think but a lot of people say if you want the best possible offensive lineman in three years it's Mekhi Becton. And I think the the traits that people are looking at, it's traits that NFL teams love. They just love. And um, I think that gives him the edge over Andrew Thomas. Apparently, you know, Rappaport said, like, Andrew Thomas is being one of the most overlooked uh, players in the draft, which I don't really get because, I mean, the consensus is he's going to be a top 14 pick. Um, I'd be shocked if, you know, if Thomas is there. And let's say nobody else is, like Kinlaw and Brown and the three other tackles are gone. I'd be pretty shocked that the Bucks went in another direction. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I think the Bucks are extremely happy. I don't think Thomas is their number one guy, but I think they have a high grade on him. And I think they like him, so. And I think that's the consensus as well, is that any one of those four, you're going to get a stud. You know, yeah. the way well, that and, it falls. You know, if, if, they if... End up, if they end up with any one of the four Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw, they're happy. Yeah. I would like to believe that if the Bucks, in my mind, if the Bucks want to trade up into the top 10, let's say they get that number nine spot, I like them going after a guy like Wills or Wirfs if they're both still available. But picking at 14, I think the possibility of either Becton or Andrew Thomas falling to you is pretty good. Even if all four of those guys are off of the board, you still have a chance to land a top-tier defensive lineman. I like the way things look for the Bucks at 14. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's probably a perfect in a perfect world. Jedrick Wills falls to the Bucks, but yeah, right. But this I, is I probably doubt that happens. <laughs> this is probably a a really good scenario. Like I said, they don't have to give up any future draft capital um, to be able to move up or whatever. There's no need. Um, so, yeah, moving on to close out the uh, top fifteen mock draft. It's uh, Henry Ruggs, the speedster from Alabama to the Denver Broncos. Um, I think this is a slam dunk as well if he's there. I think some team might end up moving up for Ruggs. I think that he – I think he might be a tad overrated, but I still think he's worthy of a top 20 selection. I think his speed is unmatched in this class, and he's just an explosive player. He just really is. Uh, I think that – no, he's going to be a good NFL starter, and it's exactly what Denver needs for Drew Locke. So, uh, other notable picks that I had: uh, C.J. Henderson, sixteen to the Falcons, who they're rumored to want to trade up for. So, Falcons fans, you're welcome. Giving you <laughs> their guy, and you don't have to give up anything. Uh, I don't really buy. Th- well, I do sort of buy that the Panthers like Henderson, but I don't think they're going to choose Henderson over Isaiah Simmons, who in my mock is just sitting there. So, um, Caleb on Chase on to the Cowboys. Like I said, Josh Jones to the Dolphins. Uh, Jordan Love, 23 to the New England Patriots. They get their uh, guy after Tom Brady. Um, Jonathan Taylor, 26 to the Dolphins. It's the first and only running back I have off the board. So that would mean for the Bucks on day two, it would be DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. Good chance one or maybe even two are sitting there for him. So um, 
it'll definitely be uh, definitely be an interesting day too if that were to happen. But uh, yeah, uh, that's how my mock shaped out. I'm you know pretty comfortable in the top fifteen. Um, top really twenty, I'm pretty comfortable. Once you get in the late twenties, it's kind of yeah, is you know even once you get in the late twenties, those picks are even more likely to possibly be traded. So yeah. uh, a team like Seattle, who I believe hasn't made a first-round pick or whatever, or has only made like one in like the past five years because they just traded every year. <laughs> Me not predicting trades hurts that, but um, and maybe even somebody moves up in front of the Patriots, uh, you know, for Jordan Love. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, um, uh, like I said, I'm pretty pretty comfortable with how it all played out. Hey, solid work, man. Really enjoy it. And uh, I'm glad that you have served as our draft analyst throughout this whole process because I'm sure the people who know I am not a draft snob by any means. I try. <laughs> I, I enjoy the draft, but I definitely do not spend as much time working as hard as you do. A lot of the guys who put out more draft content do as well. So I'm glad that you were able to serve as that for us. Thanks, buddy. Ladies and hey, gentlemen. Thank you. I hey, appreciate it. Um, like I said, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great draft guys out there. Like the, one of the best is Trevor Sikama, right? So, um, if you guys haven't go already and check out that episode with Trevor, the last episode. So all your draft coverage for the bucks, these two episodes should have covered it. Absolutely. Everything you need and more as we are just days away from the NFL draft. Evan, your final thoughts as we approach the draft, our last episode before it. So what have you got for the people? Well, I I do think that the Bucks are, man, they're in a spot to where their night could go really good on in round one, or it could go really bad. Uh, I don't think there's an in between. <laughs> I think they are either going to get one of the top four or top two defensive uh, linemen and be extremely happy, or they're going to end up picking somebody that they're okay with picking. Uh, I know they have Jonathan Taylor as RB1, but I don't think they're thrilled taking him at 14. Um, so I think this could either go really good or really bad. I do think they really like Josh Jones, and I think they view Josh Jones as a definite first-round pick. So keep that in mind because you know if, if all four are gone and the top defensive linemen are gone, my prediction would probably be Josh Jones. Um yeah. So uh, we'll see. I think second round, third round, that's my favorite day of the draft, by the way. I just – I don't know why. No, that's where you uh, get all of your studs. That, I mean, that is where you see <laughs> well, most I mean, of your two guys. Rounds, so there, there is more chances. But, um, I mean, the, the picks are faster, even though with this year, who knows. But Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, in the second and third round, they're going to keep looking to add, you know, more offensive pieces. And um, like I said, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is my top ranked running back. So I hope, you know, the Buccaneers could have a chance to get my off of the OT1 and RB1 in the same draft, which I, like I said, this team just does not draft who I want them to ever. <laughs> so um, that would be a shocker to me. Uh, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor is my RB4 and Mackay Beckton is my OT4. So instead of my OT1 and RB1, they could be drafting my OT4 and RB4. So we'll, <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. Something Bucks fans are all too familiar with is Jason Light and how he handles the draft. He might not have a flawless track record of picks, but he damn sure knows how to play the game. And it definitely makes it interesting, especially for fans of Tampa Bay. 
But ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon of Fire podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube. And uh, give us some feedback on the new logo. You might have noticed we got some new digs around here. Updated the logo a little bit to get rid of that alarm clock font, which means updated merchandise. Eh, it's on the way. We have to see what we can make happen. But... Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can get a great look at the new logo and everything else that we have set up as well. So make sure you do that. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. You can follow my co-host Evan on Twitter at EvanNFL. And you can find him on Instagram at BucksWave, the number one Buccaneers fan page. And a little bit later this week, you are appearing on another podcast talking some draft. Yeah, I am. Uh, tomorrow night, I'll be on with uh, Robert Green um, on the Outside Leverage podcast. So, um, you know, really excited. Uh, Robert Green, who is good friends with uh, our buddy Derek from What the Buck and uh, Chris Fisher from uh, Bugs Brief, or formerly Bugs Brief. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, really excited to be joining joining him tomorrow night, and it should be a good time. So definitely, you know, be on the lookout, and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have a link up to, to be able to share it. Oh, yeah, make sure you guys go check that out, Outside Leverage with Robert Green. As Evan brought up, he does really good work. I've really enjoyed his podcast. It's relatively new, but all the episodes he's put out has been top quality. His guests are phenomenal. He had Big Nasty. He had Thomas Bassinger, which was a controversial interview because we know Thomas Bassinger is probably the most controversial figure in Tampa sports media right now. But that was a good conversation that they had. He had our buddy Chris Fisher on there as well, Derek Fournier. They did a multicast with the... Old school Buccaneers podcasting OGs. That was pretty cool. So make sure you go tune in and check it out. Support our good guy, Evan. Last but not least, before we get out of here, I have to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. The world is in a crazy place right now. You are being urged to stay in your homes. And uh, people have talked about reopening up non-essential businesses, but right now it's up in the air. Regardless, you are stuck at home with nothing to do. If you have a podcast... If you have a brand that you're trying to start up, Pinecrest Printing is your number one source for anything and everything that has to do with expanding your brand in the most professional way possible. It is the perfect time to call them, 813-684-5444, and talk to their experienced staff about anything and everything that you need to accelerate your brand. These guys handle apparel, they can do stickers, they will do signs of any size, any material, full vehicle wraps apparel which i think i've already mentioned i mean you could say it all 10 times over and they are going to make sure they get it done with the highest quality possible i have to personally reach out to them and see what we can do about getting some updated merchandise but none of that can happen until you guys buy the merchandise that we have already shirts and stickers are on sale all proceeds go towards the new shirt fund that's what we're calling it the Pinecrest Printing and Signs, our buddies over there, RJ, have been doing it since 2001, and they will continue to serve the Tampa Bay business community, staying open during these trying times. You can check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com, or give them a call. The number one more time is 813-684-5444. I am Rhett Matthew, signing off for Evan Wanish, and we appreciate you listening to our show. We will talk to you after the draft, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.